With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Flushing is Burning. I'm Grace, and as always, I'm here with Christian. Christian, how you doing? Considering we had a 100-year tropical storm and an earthquake in the same day, doing pretty good, to be honest. Yeah, when I saw that last night, I was like, uh-oh. And I did. I was glad that that wasn't here. Um, we're used to the regular tropical storms, so an earthquake would really throw us around. Um, yeah. That's, uh, I'm glad to hear you're okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, whenever there's there's an extreme weather event, like a 100-degree day or, or a tropical storm that hasn't happened since 1943 or whatever, there's always a thought that creeps into the back of my mind of, this would be a bad day for an earthquake. Um, and <laughs> very luckily, it, it was not very big. I don't think it sustained any, any damage. And the storm itself, um, you know, was pretty catastrophic in some areas, but our, our infrastructure held up pretty well. Yeah, I think it also, it lost a lot of steam before it actually hit mainland, because I know it got up to four, but I think it dropped a little bit, if I'm correct. It did. Uh, I don't know how tropical storm categories work. Um, the the air was muggy, but the rain was tolerable. That's good. Um, Not an easy transition away from that, but uh, the Mets this week, um, are they back in the wild card? I don't know if I'm willing to entertain that discussion yet. Um, it is very funny that they started 
the second half of the season season seven games behind in the wild card and i think that's where they stand right now <laughs> after selling off the the biggest sell-off in in major league baseball yeah i mean they just they just won six of eight um they're facing the braves for the next three games so i am not expecting good things there but i mean the fact that they're doing it with this motley crew of characters you've never heard of before is quite something and there there are still so many teams they have to they have to hop if if let's say they take you know two of three from the Braves and then sweep another uh series or two we'll talk next week I, i'm not willing to have that conversation right now yeah but wouldn't wouldn't it be fun for like national league wild card to be DJ Stewart and Jonathan Aruz and Rafael Ortega, just all people that you didn't know existed before two weeks ago. And it wouldn't be that different from the 2015 Mets who were putting out <laughs> Eric Campbell and Ruben Tejada in starting locations. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, we should probably talk about what each of these players – like, what are they doing for the Mets that's actually succeeding? Because, like, listen, they're not the, – the teams they've played over the last, you know, two series haven't been the world's greatest teams. Again, they're not the Braves. But they're doing something right. You know, Danny Mendick ca- cannot stop hitting home runs for some reason. Not Danny Mendick, DJ Stewart. Yeah, no, no, I don't blame you. It, it's hard to, <laughs> to, to kind of pull all of these players apart. But, yeah, I, I feel like a lot of Mets fans are getting to know – these players and getting comfortable and cozy with these players in a way that's a little bit disconcerting because if you take a look at their numbers there's only one that has produced positively for the Mets in in their time so far but I I think the way that this organization is actually putting out its quadruple a position players its triple a position players into the major leagues reveals some interesting strategies that they're trying and so I, I do think it's worth um, going through them and asking exactly like what they're doing here and wondering if they have a future on the Mets, beyond the Mets, within professional baseball. Um, I'll, I, I've, I've kind of ordered them in, in, from my opinion, the least interesting to most interesting. And I don't think we're going to spend a lot of time on Abraham Almonte because he's 34 years old. He can't really hit major league pitching anymore and i think buck has realized that and has been sitting him for the last week or two um i i don't really see much of a future for almonte but you know i i can understand someone who has hopped around the league for the last 10 years you might as well you know give a flyer on him yeah i mean i i haven't been watching a ton recently because i've been working quite uh quite a lot at night but yeah, Abraham Almonte out of all these players is the one where I'm like, I don't know that I've seen him play yet because mm-hmm. of how much I've been working. So I generally don't know what he's done. Obviously, he doesn't hasn't done that much because I haven't heard anything about him. Um, but yeah, I mean, if if you're playing out the string this season, which the Mets may or may not be doing, um, does it hurt to give Abraham Almonte some playing time? Probably not. Like if. If Brandon Nimmo is going to have a quadricep or whatever it is issue, to have one extra outfielder, I I don't care if he can hit or not. Really, it does not matter to me. And I don't see him being any sort of – I don't think Met players will really have to get 
you know, get to know him that much. I don't think he's going to be sticking around for next year, at least on the major league level. There definitely is a sense of injury prevention, damage control to the Almonte call-up. It allows Brandon Nimmo to slide over and sit. And I, I get it from that perspective, but I think he has something like a negative 16 WRC plus. And I don't, <laughs> that, I don't, I don't really think that plays anywhere. Is that bad? It's, it's pretty bad. <laughs> not good. It's not good. Uh, Danny Mendek, on the other hand, um, is not that or hasn't produced that much better than Abraham Almonte. He at least has a positive WRC plus. I think it's in the 50s. Um, however, what I think a lot of fans have appreciated about Danny Mendick is competent fielding in the infield, which <laughs> is something that is hard to say of Brett Beatty and Mark Vientos. Yeah, um, he's he's fine in the infield. He's not fantastic, but also like, you don't really need him to be to be better than Mark Fiantos. Um He's fine. I He's here. He's going to field. He's going to, like you said, not hit great. But, I mean, Abraham Amante is a low bar, we will admit. But <laughs> he's hitting better than him. So he's clearing that low bar. Uh, um, I, I want to correct. Danny Mendek currently has a 39 WRC plus <laughs> in 58 plate appearance, 55 plate appearances in the majors. That feels right. Having watched Danny Mendick at the plate, that feels correct. Yeah, but um, he's a he's a buck guy, so you know you're gonna true. You're gonna a lot uh, of yeah, we listen. It's it's I Mark Vientos. I'm sure is a great guy, but there's only so many times I can watch him at third base before I want to tear my eyeballs out. So right now, I am fine with Danny Mendick or Jonathan Aruz at third base. That's fine with me. Danny Mendick, I think next year. Probably going to be in the minors again. I don't know what his options slash free agency thing is, but I, I don't think he's got enough pl- like time in the majors to for that to be an issue. I don't know if he's going to be a minor league free agent, but like if he's still under contract, he'll be in AAA. Like I don't, I'd, I'd see that being where he is next year, unless something goes terribly wrong. Two options left, free agent in 2027. I, I think you're right. I, I don't think there's any, any reality where Danny Mendek doesn't start this season next year. Uh, in triple a unless you know he really balls out in spring training for some reason but i, I don't <laughs> I, I don't i, I think the mets infield's kind of set for next year yeah they're gonna they're gonna either give brett Beatty some run or they're gonna sign someone i don't think that the plan for next year is danny mendick starting second or third baseman um jonathan Aruz uh hasn't been bad i've enjoyed the couple home runs he's hit um again competent fielding which is nice because then it allows them to shift McNeil into the outfield if they need if they need to, and then that gives McNeil some break. These guys are very good for that. Like they are, like they have some versatility in allowing the Mets to sort of give people breaks too. Because I don't think we need to be playing McNeil and Nimmo constantly, knowing their injury history, if we're not going to be good this year. I don't. I don't want to ruin them for next year if they're gonna, you know, if they're playing out the string this year. I feel bad for all of the minor league call-ups that are putting out their professional tryout essentially at the worst possible time on the worst possible team. And Arauz to me exemplifies that because if the Mets wanted to give a shot to a minor league shortstop with the intention of playing him in the future, you would see Ronnie Mauricio in this place instead of Jonathan Arauz. Um, but that's not what they want to do. They, they want, um, Mauricio to stay in the minors either to 
protect his trade value or to uh, protect his service time or to give him a bit more seasoning with minor league pitching. Um, but yeah, Otto is, is not really a major league player. And it's, it's, uh, it's been nice to see him put in 100% of the effort, hit his couple of home runs. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't really see much of the future for him in the organization as well. Yeah, I assume, because I've never heard of him before, um, I assume that he is probably was a minor league free agent signing and he'll go and sign with another team. Maybe, you know, maybe he'll be decent enough over the next few weeks to month that, you know, the Detroit Tigers take a flyer on him next year when they're not going to be doing anything for like the 10th year straight. And, um, you know, I, I, I don't think, unlike Abraham Almonte or Danny Mendick, who's probably just going to stick in the Mets system, I can see a world where he gets a NRI next off, next season or whatever. Um, I think I, I think he is, while he's not great, he's not going to stick with the Mets. I think that there's going to be a lot of second division teams next year who, especially at the bottom half of that, who might give him a shot. And I think, I think that that's good for him, you know, quite frankly, good for him. Yeah. A hundred percent agree. I don't know if uh, the Washington Nationals taking a starting flyer on Dom Smith's situation is what we're going to get from Arauz, but um, yeah, he's he's putting good tape on uh, on the field, so that's that's exactly what um, he wants from from this situation. I, I don't think the Mets have much of a need for him. However, they are likely going to have a need for a left-handed designated hitter next season if they don't think that Daniel Vogelback. Um, is the solution at that position. And DJ Stewart is doing everything in his power to show himself as worthy of that title. I, uh, he's been great this year. Like these last few weeks, he's been genuinely good. Um, I don't know if the numbers reflect that, but in terms of like, I'd rather watch him at the plate than Danny Mendick, like, you, you know, like that's right now, that's where it is. Like is a bar that's much lower than it was about three weeks ago. Um, he's, he's going to, he's definitely going to get a job next year. I don't know if the Mets are going to be the ones to give it to him just because I, they might aim higher in the off season. Um, I mean, I don't think it'd be a bad choice. I don't also don't think it'd be a bad choice to give him an NRI for next year and see if you can, if, if spring training, if he's still doing the same stuff and then, bench player or whatever um I could also see another maybe not great team but I could see a team that's kind of on the cusp next year give him a one-year deal or whatever he's this tryout isn't just the Mets I don't think I'm sure there's a lot of teams around the league who don't you know your your standard bear we don't like to play pay people a lot of money um could look at this and say that could be an interesting one-year deal for them you know a team like the um, the Cleveland Guardians or someone in that zone where they hope to compete next year um, and they could really use a hitter like this who's not going to cost a lot of money but could be very good for them. I think I think DJ Stewart will go into next season with some job security somewhere. Especially since a lot of major league teams don't seem to want to invest that much money into a designated hitter. And DJ Stewart fits that profile. He has one minor league option left. He, he hasn't had that much service time. Probably comes pretty cheaply. He has a 129 WRC plus in 69 plate appearances. Admittedly, a pretty small sample size, but he's hit quite a bit better than Daniel Vogelback, even though Vogelback's been pretty good in the past month. If the left-handed designated hitter position next season for the Mets was given to either DJ Stewart or Daniel Vogelback, 
I don't think many Mets fans would be terribly happy. Um, <laughs> but uh, absolutely, considering that, like, there is no mainstay, big name, big money designated hitter in baseball anymore. Yeah, the DJ Stewart fits that left-handed role on many teams. And uh, I don't think it would be catastrophic if he started the season as the Mets designated left-handed hitter, but uh, I, I don't, I, I don't think I would be terribly excited if that were the case either. <laughs> yeah, you're hoping they aim higher is really the the thing there. Like DJ Stewart, I wouldn't be devastated, but like if that's how the season started, my guess is it's a disappointing off season for the Mets and one in which they didn't sign many people. Um, because there's so many players, even though I would say that the position player class this upcoming year isn't great, they should be able to sign someone that would at least be good enough in the field to push one of their other players to DH more often. Um, now the Mets, the, the last, the last person on this list we've got is um, basically starting center, right, and left fielder at any given time, Rafael Ortega, who hasn't been terrible. He's very, he's good in, he's good in the outfield. He's given Nimmo, you know, the ability to to move over and protect him. And he's filled in quite nicely for um, the missing Starling Marte. Um, you know, I can't, I don't know what his, his numbers are. Again, I've, I've been paying half attention to this team, basically, with all the work I've been getting. Um, but he's not been terrible. I don't think he's, like, the world's worst batter. I'm sure he's not great, but, like, you know, at this point, low bar. Yeah, uh, 69 WRC plus right now in 65 plate appearances, so small sample size in the other direction for Ortega. What I like about Ortega is that he gives full effort all the time, and I know that's not something that you can quantify. I know it's not something that can supersede the numbers that he puts up, but I saw him on a play yesterday on – a sacrifice bunt, uh, dive in to head first. It's like game 111, and the Mets are seven games out of the wild card. And someone like that in the clubhouse can only be respected. I think someone like that is certainly more useful than aging veterans who know that the season is lost, and so they give you know 70% of, of what they have. And so... What I appreciate about Ortega right now is that he is moving Brandon Nimmo to left field and protecting him ever so slightly from injury. The way I've been seeing him play, I'm ready to sign up right now for Rafael Ortega, fourth outfielder, backup center fielder. Like I, I, I think he can fit that Juan Lagares role very, very well. Not as superb a fielder as Juan Lagares, but... If I only need to see him as a a Sunday lineup center fielder and a late inning uh, replacement, I'm happy with Rafael Ortega on the 2024 Mets, to be honest. Yeah, he'd be a fine pinch runner. He there's, there's a lot of utility for a guy like that and yeah, I don't I don't mind. Again, he's not he's not draped himself in glory at the plate, so I don't think it's going to cost a lot. You might actually be able to NRI him again next year and and you know, get him in the minors, and then call him up when you need him. But yeah, I don't, I don't think it's a bad choice to have him as the fourth outfielder. Now, all of this depends on if Starling Marte comes back in any capacity of decency next year, because there also is a reality to where next year Starling Marte is your fourth outfielder. Um, 
So I think it all depends on how the offseason plays out. But yeah, I would not be upset with him in the in the Juan Lagares role. And he hasn't been playing that much better than Arauz or or Mendek. The difference is the Mets have a lot of infield depth. And Luis Guillorme plays that role that either Arauz or Mendek could potentially fill for the Mets. They don't have a lot of healthy, reliable outfielders that they can turn to. And we don't know what the offseason will bring. Um, but if if you tell me Rafael Ortega, fourth outfielder, 2024 Mets, okay, I'm I'm not that disappointed by it. Yeah, no, I think it's a uh I think it's a fine choice and um I mean we'll see how the rest of the season plays out. He could really turn it on at the end of the season and then we'd really be hyped for it, you know. It's there's still a, there's a lot of baseball left. Um so why don't we take a break and then we come back, we'll come back with some uh, other non-2023 Mets related stuff. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, so Grace, peeking behind the curtain a bit. Doing production for this show essentially means that I'm putting notes in my phone about what we can talk about. And honestly, quite a lot of weeks... I'm not finding that much, especially now that the Mets are non-competitive. But I put down so many notes for this week that we can't get to. We we cannot get to Shikari Richardson putting out one of the most amazing celebrations <laughs> I've ever seen. We cannot get to Mookie Betts saying something a bit <laughs> questionable on, on a live Dodgers broadcast. Because I need to hit something evergreen. And for some reason, people being horny for Mrs. Met just <laughs> keeps on coming up. And I, 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 I mean, I don't want to say I don't get it because I get it. But I also think we need to talk about this. Listen, there, the, the list of things that people get horny about are long and I think much more disturbing and much more upsetting than, than Mrs. Met, which again, I get, you know, it's a little weird. Um, is it any weirder than the people who are horny for the characters from Zootopia? I don't think so. Um, it's evergreen. You're right. This is a, the Mets, I think the Mets fan base, just general baseball fans, Online especially, a little weird. And I think that this actually fits the bill pretty well. Because what other mascots are baseball fans going to be horny for? You know, in terms of the in terms of um, 
femme presenting mascots. There's not a lot of options to choose from. I don't see people getting it down to blooper from the Braves. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, Mrs. Met makes sense to me. It's funny that you say femme presenting because I would look at all of these thirst tweets and think to myself, isn't this just how Mrs. Met has always looked? But that's not the case. <laughs> at, at some point in the past two seasons, I don't really know what the timeline is. She had a makeover. She did not look as curvy, as voluptuous as she currently does. And so I, I have to ask Grace, like, why does she look this way? Like, what what was the organization thinking giving her a makeover? Is is it just like with the changing times that it's become more acceptable for, for women in particular, but uh, anybody to get cosmetic surgery? Is it, is it, were they expecting to create thirst traps on Twitter and IG with their mascot? Are, are the Mets leaning in to the exposure that they're getting from people ironically or maybe unironically thirsting over Mrs. Met online. I like, I, I don't exactly know like why she looks the way she does currently, especially since she's not a, a real human being. She's a furry mascot. I don't know. I don't have the answers to any of these questions. Um, why, why, why is she made over? Who knows? Um, I mean, it very well could be that they're expecting some level of engagement from a curvier Mrs. Matt. It also could be something as, as you know, stupid as just the, they changed the costume to fit someone else better and it just happened to look that way when they did it. Um, I don't know. I genuinely, I don't know enough about, like, mascot suit science to tell you why they would need, feel the need to do this. Um, maybe this is just the, the new Steve Cohen Mets. Everything's bigger and better and sexier. Um, who knows? God, I, I would, I would love that <laughs> to have been like a demand from the top. Steve <laughs> Cohen comes in. We need the biggest scoreboard and we need some child birthing hips on our mascot. <laughs> and honestly, like she's not the curviest mascot in the majors, um, the Philly fanatic has like quite a bit of, of mass. Uh, I think that's a Philadelphia thing as well. Cause like both he and gritty do that, like stomach turning thing that, you know, it's pretty funny. Um, but like, I, I think you're right. I, I don't know of any female presenting mascots in major league baseball other than Mrs. Met, which also begs the question, like why do the Mets feel the need to have, uh, Mrs. Met, why do they feel the need to present Mr. Met as gendered? Because it's just like a baseball-headed person. I don't think we need to attach gender to to our mascots, but uh, the Mets are buying into the gender binary, and they're they're really, really uh, separating the two now. So the Reds actually have a, a like the similar thing where it's like the whatever their male mascot is. And then they also have, he has like a wife, I guess, kind of like a Mr. and Mrs. Met thing if they mm -hmm. looked psychotic because mm -hmm. that's the way that the Reds mascots look. Um, so they're not the only team, but yeah, this is very odd. I don't know of many teams will say who do this. I can list two right now and really nothing else um, in any sport. I can't, I guess like, I think some of the WNBA mascots are, are, you know, femme presenting, but at the same time, that makes more sense for the league that they're in. You know, like I would expect Ellie the elephant 
to be to be you know part of the fem- you know female gender or whatever um it just it's odd i mean it's fun it, don't get me wrong this is you know feels very you know the mets we don't have a lot going on you got to let us be horny for mrs matt yeah, uh, I, I don't begrudge <laughs> anyone for that. People do whatever you want. I just, I, I don't have any any stories or evidence that this is happening. I just sincerely hope that people are treating the person inside the Mrs. Met costume with the respect that they deserve. Hopefully there's no inappropriate contact or inappropriate um, uh, interactions going on with uh, the person inside of the Mrs. Met suit. Yeah, I mean... If there is, hopefully Mr. Met beats the shit out of them, because that'd be fun. Hey, well, I mean, maybe, <laughs> maybe that's the purpose for, for Mr. Met right now. Um, someone who is not Mr. Met, uh, I don't think in, in any way, is Daniel Murphy, who we have learned has announced his official retirement. And I remember uh, hearing that news on the SNY broadcast and thinking, oh, yeah, I forgot that he was still trying to make his way back into the league, which is not that uncommon. I think Cole Hamels recently announced his retirement after trying to make a comeback. Same with Felix Hernandez. Um, but it it did get me thinking about Daniel Murphy and about the last word that we get on him because I have sincere doubts that he's going to make it back into the Mets Hall of Fame, for example, or even like an old timers game. This might be quite literally the last we hear about Daniel Murphy. And I think it's worth exploring his place in the Mets story because the way we have interacted with Daniel Murphy has been through the lens of the comments he made during spring training in 2015 about uh, Billy Bean. And while he's sort of the face of Mets homophobia, he also is someone that provided a lot of good feelings that season through his playoff performance. Um, but it, it's it, it's funny how I hear the Daniel Murphy retirement story. And the first thing that came up into my mind beyond the, oh, he's in the Angels organization? I forgot that entirely, was he was the guy who basically dragged the Mets to the World Series with his otherworldly performance in the NLDS and the NLCS. And then he left. Like he didn't he didn't want to be part of the Mets organization anymore. And I remember that hurting more than anything at the time. And it's a thing that I remember the most. And that's one of the really big reasons why I'm like, yeah, I don't I don't know if I hold him in such high esteem beyond the homophobia that's, you know, pretty rampant among uh, Major League Baseball players. But the uh, the I don't know if it's disloyalty. I, I wouldn't necessarily call it a benediction. But, yeah, he uh, played really well for the Mets for one postseason and then decided to peace out. Yeah, so Daniel Murphy's tenure with the Mets basically fell in that entire period of my life where I sort of drifted away from the Mets. So I don't really have I, – I remember the, the postseason stuff, whatever. What I very clearly remember from that postseason is, like, that World Series, he's – they were, like, multiple times where he seemed to just completely forget how to field. Um, Not that he was ever good, but, like, at fielding, but, like, he just completely forgot. Um, But, yeah, so for me – Anything that happened in, like, the regular season or even kind of the postseason, because I was paying attention, but I wasn't, like, invested in these players, so they all were just, like, in the Mets blue and orange to me. 
I don't have any emotional attachment to Daniel Murphy other than obviously the comments he made, but like, I don't have any positive, negative thoughts in my mind about his tenure with the Mets, how he left, anything like that. To me, because I really picked back up with baseball in 2018, to me, Daniel Murphy, weirdly enough, is a Colorado Rocky. So mm. like, <laughs> so like to me, I have no connection to him, which is fine. Like he retired and I went, okay, you know, like, cool. Didn't we do this already? And then you tried to come back and it didn't work. Um, Like, I wish him nothing but the best. Hope I never have to hear from him again. Um, I'm sure there are Met fans who are going to spend the rest of their lives talking about how much they love Daniel Murphy, how he should be in the Mets Hall of Fame, how we should have never let him go, which, like, that's a Will Pond thing. I'm not even going to get into to that stupidity. They do that with everyone. Um, But, like, all right, bye. Like, that's just my vibe. And that's because I have zero emotional connection to this man. Worth noting, you point out the the defense in the World Series. I remember reading this when it came out, and I don't know if it still holds true, but Daniel Murphy's error in Game 4 of the World Series was the second costliest error by win probability added in World Series history. Number one was Bill Buckner. Like, <laughs> this is... This is something that will echo, I think, should echo just as loudly as the Ruthian performance that he put on in the NLDS and the NLCS. The Mike, I don't, I don't, I don't really want to relitigate this, but man, Jerry's Familia blows two saves and Daniel Murphy blows like that one ground ball. Like, ah, I don't, I don't want to relitigate this too much, but yeah, <laughs> it will echo for a long time. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty glad I didn't pay that much attention during that time span because I probably would have really vivid feelings other than just like being like, well, that's the Mets. That was basically from like 2008 to 2016 for me or 2017 was just like, well, that's the Mets. Like the anytime, oh, they're doing good. They're in the World Series. They're going to blow it. Like that's just that was the vibe at the time. Um, Yeah. So I hope Daniel Murphy has a very quiet retirement. So quiet, in fact, that I never have to see his face again. May this be the last word on <laughs> Daniel Murphy. Probably won't be, um, but uh, I, I wish the same. We will be back with uh, some some movie things, a lot of movie things, actually, in our third act. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right. And we're back. Um, Christian, I don't think you've ever seen it, but um, um, Amazon canceled a league of their own, the show. Uh, which is that's, upsetting that's for me. 
I, I watched the entire season. Oh, uh, you did? Okay. I did the, the, the solitary season. Yes, I, I watched that a couple months ago. Yeah, it's... um. The, the, see, this is... They're, they're trying to say, oh, it's the strike. And I'm sure that that's part of it. But at the same time, Amazon has other shows that they're not going to cancel because of the strike. They clearly never wanted to renew this thing to begin with. Um, I know that the word in the industry is that this was actually one of their most watched shows, which makes their reasoning for not wanting to continue it um, confusing at best and um, very clearly bigoted at worst um, to show that that showcases a lot of queer characters and queer storylines and black characters and black storylines. Um, it's all about women. It's I think there's a lot of things at play here that Amazon isn't going to say. The only good thing is I've seen that um, Will Graham, who co-created the show with Abby Jacobson, said that they're going to try and shop it. Um, apparently Sony, who made the show, blindsided by this. They're gonna they're definitely trying to shop this thing around. Who knows if it catches on anywhere? I'd love to see it catch on somewhere else. Um, I think there's other companies and, and studios and services who would probably care for this thing a lot better the first one that came to my mind was showtime who have um yellow jackets and very clearly they they like to to they would be better with this kind of group of characters than amazon clearly is but i guess you know amazon had to take the four million dollars or whatever it cost to make this show and put it towards the second season of their terrible lord of the rings show that's disappointing. Um, <laughs> I I really, really liked this show. I, I think it has a couple of pretty glaring shortcomings, but otherwise, it's the full realization of an otherwise very good movie. And I am supremely disappointed that we're not going to get the continuation of the story, at least for now. And, and if we do, it it might not happen for, for a pretty long time. But we get so, so few quality baseball shows, at least in the United States. And this is one of them. Like I, 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 I would have hoped that this would have started a trend. Um, I, I, I think that this show is, is a, it's better than pitch. I think it's quite a bit better than Eastbound and Down and <laughs> Rockmire. Don't like either of those shows at all, to be honest. Um, but yeah, it's, I, I don't know if I'm – I, I don't really know Hollywood like too well, so I, I don't – I can't really speak on the claims of how Amazon treats its shows that aim for um, a more diverse audience like A League of Their Own. But yeah, it's it's disappointing nonetheless. I, I hope it finds a home somewhere, um, but I'm, I'm not holding my breath considering the state of the industry. I, I I think once it's going to take for once the strike ends, which who knows it, it it could end in two weeks, it could end in four months. Like we, there's no knowledge on when that's going to end. Um, after that, they can probably start shopping it. Um, yeah, but Amazon, Amazon a few years ago had this great show called One Mississippi, um, with Tignataro, the comedian, and great show, two seasons, six episodes each. If this thing costs more than two or three million an episode uh, season i would be shocked and they canceled it and i remember the the i don't know if it was the official word or the unofficial word at the time was they wanted to pool all their resources for this lord of the rings show that then took like five more years to come out and when it did everyone was like that's not good um 
so this is like kind of a concerning trend for Amazon's TV division, at least, um, that they don't that they don't want to keep making these relatively low cost shows about um, diverse communities. But it's I I part of me is is ready to say okay it's not going to get picked up. Part of me thinks if it was if the numbers are actually as good as people were saying they were seeing the the interaction it got online and the engagement it got online um, and the the very loyal fan base it had. Part of me thinks that another like like a Showtime or Paramount Plus might try to pick this up just because it seems to be pretty popular. And, um, I don't think it would, I, you know, I don't think it would behoove them for, to give it another season if it does cost as little as I've heard it cost. Um, because it, a lot of the show is indoors. It doesn't need like sort of big production value or whatever. All you need is like costuming and a little bit of set design. Like it's not that hard. Like, like knowing what I know, it's not going to cost that much. This isn't a gigantic production. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it sucks. We don't get, we don't get a lot of quality baseball shows and even fewer quality baseball shows that explore more than just like some white guy who loves baseball. Speaking of some white guy who loves baseball, um, (laughs) when one door closes, another door opens and we are getting a baseball movie in wide release for the first time in like 10 years. It's been such a long time. And I don't know if anybody knows about this movie. I only learned about it during the Fox Saturday broadcast. There is a Dennis Quaid vehicle that is coming out this Friday called The Hill. And I wondered, did you hear anything about this movie before this past weekend? No, and that concerns me about this movie. I'm, I hear a lot about all the movies, and I did not know this was coming out until I think you messaged into the Slack that, this was being advertised. I I don't know this movie. And the fact that I don't know it and that it stars Dennis Quaid really concerns me based on Dennis Quaid's more recent output. Yeah, the, the Dennis Quaid starring role in a baseball movie made me think, oh, they couldn't get Costner. Like, that, that's <laughs> what they were trying. But I, I, I saw this commercial on a nationally broadcasted game and was like, is this an indie movie? Is this something we're only going to see in LA, New York? No. Wide release. The last wide release baseball movie that we got, and I could be wrong. So like, if if you can think of a more recent example than Trouble with the Curve in 2013, then feel free. But I think it's been 10 years since we've gotten a like big branded wide release baseball movie and that's a really long time oh see it's hard because i can't remember what got wide releases because like i think there's been a few in in there but i don't know that any of them have been like big wide releases I mean, around the same time as Trouble with the Curve is is 42. Oh, That's you, know, the- you know what? You're absolutely right. I think it was 42 that came out in 2013 and Trouble with the Curve was like 2012. Yeah. that I think that might be the last one that's like an actual huge, big release. The, the 2010s also were like such a dry <laughs> time for baseball movies. Um, Moneyball was excellent, but... I had trouble with the curve. Very bad. I don't think anyone likes that movie. And I'm not that big a fan of 42, although I, I will um, I will accept some of its merits. 
but like beyond that like we just we just didn't get anything like the the golden age of like the 80s 90s 2000s underdog baseball movie like that's that's gone and uh the hill seems to be of a similar vein it's advertising copy mentions how it's an underdog story in the vein of rudy and hoosiers which like not terribly attractive for for me i don't care for either of those movies but it does seem to be trying to scratch the itch of a very old and wanting for nostalgia baseball audience yeah it's I have no clue what this thing's going to be like. The guy who directed it hasn't made a movie in 14 years. Um, I'm looking at the, it's apparently based on stuff, but it's not, there's no book or anything named. It's based on a treatment and a screenplay, which is concerning. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm going to reserve judgment. It's got Bonnie Bedelia and Scott Glenn in it. Can't be that bad, but like, I'm... I'm concerned just because I haven't heard anything about this and knowing what Dennis Quaid has been choosing to do recently, um, it's gonna, it, I'm a little concerned that this is gonna be like a low-key evangelical movie. Yeah, and honestly, if it were <laughs> about any other subject, there's zero excitement in my voice, but again, it's been 10 years. I will, <laughs> I will accept any baseball on screen at this point. But yes, I can I can understand your concerns. And I ask you, Grace, do you have a much better movie that you would like to plug for this week? I do. Um, this movie is, you remember how last week Mission Impossible was the complete opposite of Asteroid City? This week is the complete opposite of Mission Impossible. Um, I saw that coming to VOD this week is this little indie movie called past lives um this movie broke me this movie is it's gorgeous it's such a gorgeous movie it's um it reminds me of this is going back decades and decades um the 1945 film uh brief encounter it's about this the, the past lives is about this um these two people they grew up in i believe Korea. Let me just make sure I don't want to get it wrong. Um, but they they grew up together. Yeah, in South Korea. They they were growing up together in South Korea. The little girl and her family move to um, Canada, I believe, and then and then she moves to New York. They reconnect in their twenties. So she moves when she's like ten. They reconnect about a decade ish later um, over the internet, video messaging, everything like that, um, and then. They're talking, they're talking, they're they're growing closer and closer. There's definitely like a romantic love edge to it. And then they realize like this is too much for them to do long distance. So they sort of, they say, okay, we're going to take a break. Then they don't talk again for like another 10 years. And then he comes to America. He's coming to America on a trip and they meet up. And then it's just basically, she's married. He just got, he just went through a breakup so it's this it's a lot of like complicated feelings um this this movie is so gorgeous like in both a like visually it looks gorgeous and also just the way it's written the characters the performances the the editing it's just all so beautiful and it comes together and it broke my heart and i'm crying and there's it's not even like there's big scenes that make you cry it's like a look at one point the main character cries and there's one specific sob 
that she sort of lets out, and that broke me. Because you could feel the emotion in that one sob that told an entire story of its own. It's so good, and I'm so excited that, I mean, this week it's hitting VOD, so it's probably going to be like six bucks or whatever. But I'm so glad that people are going to be able to see this in a wide context. Because it, it came, I think it went to a few regals and stuff like that, and it went to indie theaters or whatever, but it wasn't a huge like it was a huge hit for the indie market but it didn't break through that totally and i want people to be able to 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 see this because i think movies like this are so rare that it's just it's literally an hour and 40 minutes i think of just like people feeling things and talking about it and talking around it and sort of the complications that come with romantic relationships i just thought it was wonderful it seems to have done very well, both critically and financially. There are still showtimes uh, in, you know, West LA. They'll show anything. But um, yeah, I, I've not heard of this movie before, unsurprisingly. But uh, I, you've sold it pretty well. I don't know if I'm going to venture out in the rivers that are <laughs> LA streets right now to, to go see it. But yeah, this is this is definitely something that would pique my interest. Yeah, it's, it's, I think that this is going to at least be very heavily in the conversation for a lot of awards come early next year. Um, and I, I would hope so. I think that the, the three leads are all fantastic. Um, Greta Lee, who's been in like, who's actually been in a bunch of stuff this year, which is really great, but this is like her big, big movie this year. Um, Celine Song, this is the director's first um, feature film, I believe, it's it's incredible. It, it's just it's one of those movies that you you go to see. I had seen the trailers, I had read all the great reviews, and I went to see it, and it still knocked me out. Like that's how good this movie is. Is that I don't think that there's a way that's that someone could have sold this to me enough that wouldn't have left me still surprised at how good it was. It's just it's these movies like this don't happen very often like like this level of almost magic that a movie like this got made and yeah it, it connected really well it made a lot of money for an indie film i'm looking right now it looks like it made about 11 million dollars which is you know small potatoes when you're barbie but when you're a movie that got made for like a million dollars that's crazy um yeah i just i it, it's gonna be on vod it'll probably get to streaming at some point um I don't know if it'll hit because it's an A24 film and I know that some of them go to H so Amazon, some of them go to Showtime, anything like that. But it's going to be on VOD. It'll probably be $6 now and then in like four months it'll be four bucks. So it it's definitely, it's worth the six bucks. I'll say that. High praise. High praise. <laughs> Do you have anything else to add before we part for the week? Um, just the usual stuff. You can follow us on Twitter at FIBpod. Uh, on Instagram at flushing is burning pod and you can email us at flushing is burning at gmail.com thank you so very much for that thank you to everyone who listened in uh, we might be talking some wild card stuff next week <laughs> depending on how this week goes but uh, uh, otherwise we will see you next week